So uh, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm thankful for this church. Talked about that a lot last week. I will not be able to uh, really communicate uh, my thanks to this congregation for allowing sabbatical uh, for May, June, and July. It was a, a blessing, and I would be happy to talk more. I'm not going to uh, force any of my stories and pictures on you, but if you have questions, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. I think uh, anybody in the family would. Um, so we're coming back, and we're, we're starting a series uh, in the book of Proverbs and talking about wisdom, the, uh, the, the, the concept of wisdom, what it means, how it plays out. And uh, in the video this last week that went out with the email, if you don't get those, uh, let me know or let Ann know. I, I talked about this reality of the world in which we live where I feel like over the last few decades, we, we've been asked to have really good opinions on all kinds of topics. And some of that we've been drawn in in really good ways, to think about things in ways that as a culture, as people, we haven't before. But there's a pressure to have answers and knowledge regarding now medical issues around pandemics, the social issues around pandemics, to understand uh, identity in in a way that we've never even thought about before, and that connected to sexuality and gender, to think about uh, human trafficking, to think about uh, hunger and poverty in our own city and country and around the world, to to know how to address the division that's happening in politics and culture. We're supposed to have lots of answers. And any one of those topics probably gives us some level of, not really sure, at least uh, I hope it gives us some level of that. If you think, oh, I got this one figured out. Let's talk. That's part of actually what we're doing here in this study of wisdom, right? Um, and, and yet that just comes on top of all of just the normal day-to-day life. What does it look like to be in relationship with my family? Either kids or parents or spouse. What does it look like to be in relationship with friends? How do I respond when, when a, a classmate or a coworker says something mean or rude? What do I do uh, in, in divisions with my neighbor How do I do my job well? All of these things, they require what we would call wisdom. They require us to understand the world and know how to act in it. And and my hope is that as we go through this series, as we look at the book of Proverbs, that we're going to move toward growing in wisdom. That is, we're going to talk about some of what that means, some of the definition. And it's not just... We're not going to be simplistic about it because the scripture is not simplistic about it, but that we would grow in that so that we would understand more and more how to walk in what it means to be created beings created by a God who loves us and wants relationship with us. That we would be able to apply these truths in a way that we can have some confidence with humility as creatures of our Lord. Um, And and that's the goal is to to know how to to, uh, walk and apply these things. I, um, I might argue that social media is a net negative, but it did give me this illustration this morning. That's, that's a positive, right? So one of my friends uh, married two kids. He and his wife decide to get an RV, homeschool their kids, and travel for a while. And this is one of the stories his, his wife posted, uh, was posting when they were on this trip. And this is what she says. She describes herself as, I'm a suburban Georgia girl. The only wildlife I ever see is the occasional deer and maybe a bunny. So when we pulled into our campsite in Denali, which is in Alaska, National Park in Alaska, and there were warning signs about what to do if you encounter a wild animal, 
you better believe my brain was taking it all in like there would be a final exam. If you see a wild bear, stand tall, act calm, speak calmly, do not run. If it attacks, play dead. (laughs) If you see a wolf, scold it like you would a dog. Bad wolf. Shake your finger and stand firm. (laughs) If you you see... This was the advice that was... This was like legitimate advice. Uh, If you see a moose, run. (laughs) And find something solid to hide behind. So true story. I'm walking in the woods behind our RV, just taking in the scenery. John is a few hundred feet away at the RV. We had already found a big pile of some sort of animal scat, so I was on high alert, when all of a sudden I hear the sound of my imminent death. (laughs) Pounding, running animal feet coming up behind me, I freeze. I forget all the rules. Do I run, play dead, or scold? (laughs) I've, I've failed the exam already. My heart was in my throat, and I'm pretty sure I made right with the Lord and mouthed, I love you to my family back at the RV. I'm seeing John's face as he sees my eyes grow huge. He senses my fear. I don't want to look, but I do. And I turn around to see the camp host coming around in his golf cart, just checking everyone's ticket. (laughs) John didn't quit laughing for a solid 10 minutes. And that was my animal scare. Um, You you know, uh, the reality is she had all the knowledge, right? What you do in each circumstance and it's funny, uh, I, mean, I think the story is, every time I hear the story or read the story, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Uh, but if it had been an actual predator uh, and she had failed the exam, that's a problem, right? All the knowledge uh, is only helpful if we enter into the world in a way that we're actually able to apply it. And so as we look at Proverbs, as we look at wisdom from God's word, uh, we, we are given ways to learn how to apply, to think, to grow in our understanding of the Lord so that we can understand the world and walk in it in a way that lives in light of the reality of the fact that our God, who created us, wants us to flourish. He wants good things for us. And so he gives us this revelation to us, this revelation of himself. We're going to see three things as we look at this introduction to the book of Proverbs. Wisdom's context, uh, wisdom's definition, and wisdom's foundation. So let, let me pray and we'll dive in. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would be changed in this time, that we would gain wisdom from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I think it's helpful for us to note that uh, there is a context to the book of Proverbs. So it, there are, are moments, and particularly chapters 10 through 29, that is just a long list. I mean, hundreds of Proverbs. That is the, these like, one, two-liner statements about the world and about how to respond in different uh, situations. Uh, I mean, essentially things like hard work pays off kind of thing. And, uh, and so there are those Proverbs, those pithy sayings uh, that... Contain, or contain a good bit of the book of Proverbs, but there is more going on. Even those fall sometimes in the context of the ones around them. But we, we need to understand and be reminded that all of God's word is given as his revelation of himself to us. And then this book falls in the context of redemptive history. This, this book tells the story of God creating the world and interacting with his people and saying, I want to be with you. I want to be your God and you be my people. And so we'll talk about the Lord being Yahweh. That's the personal name for God. So if in your Bible you find 
Lord with all capitals, so the O-R-D in small caps, that is a reference to Yahweh, which is more than God. It, it, is, it is the God who created the world, but who says, I want relationship with my people. And, and we've seen this all through Scripture. We looked at Leviticus, which you know, is everybody's favorite book, but uh, we talked about the fact that it has these regulations as a way of God providing for his people that he might be in relationship with them. That's his desire. And so in the context of that redemptive history of Yahweh wanting relationship with his people, we find in this moment, Solomon, verse 1, gives not all of the book of Proverbs, but much of it. Uh, Solomon, along with Agur and Lemuel, some others, he, he gives us these books of wisdom, this truth for us. To understand. And, and in this moment, this is kind of like the heyday for Israel where things are really going well before they turn away from the Lord and turn to other gods, turn to idols. So things are going well here, and this is wisdom that Solomon, this incredibly wise man, gives to uh, his, his people. And understanding that in the context, that it's not just simply folk wisdom, but that it comes in the context of relationship. We have to understand that context. Context informs everything. And this is true of all of of our study and understanding of the word of God. We need to understand who wrote it and who they wrote it to and why and all of those things. Because context matters intensely. It it informs the way that we understand the the input that is coming to us. Just last night, I went to pick up the worship guides at Redeemer. So we're our own church now, but we have this agreement with Redeemer. And one of the things that uh, they do is they print our worship guides. So I went up there. I know that uh, at this time on a Saturday night, there's not going to be anybody there, but I walk in the door and, I, and somebody walks out of one of Art Mix's doors. So there's multiple things going on in that building, Redeemer and Harrison Center and Art Mix. And, uh, and in the midst of that context, I see this guy and I think it's somebody that it's not, right? And I say, hey, and say the name that it's not his name because I've seen this guy out of context, right? And then... I, but I still know him, not super well, but know him enough to know I'm seeing him out of context and I just called him the wrong name and uh, was able to continue in conversation and work in his actual name in the midst of, I, you know, kind of like a, I, I know your name. Uh, but, uh, but because I was seeing him in a different context, it, it totally changed the way that I was processing the information, right? Uh, that is true for anything we read, anything that we hear, anything that we see. What, what matters is, uh, is how that information is, is given to us, what the context is. And so understanding that is significant for us. Redemptive history for the book of Proverbs. It's placed in the Bible itself. The wisdom books given to us are Job, Proverbs here, Ecclesiastes that we looked at two years ago. And I think it's helpful to remember that continually. As we look at Proverbs, we can understand it as uh, essentially... Uh, these normative rules for life. Uh, and, and some would describe the, the writer of Proverbs as this brilliant young teacher, right? It's the, the normative rule. But it's not that this happens every time, because as I mentioned before, sometimes we get the idea of like hard work pays off. But we know that sometimes it, it doesn't, that there are perplexities in life. And both Job and Ecclesiastes address more of those. And, uh, you know, Job being the, the old weathered uh, individual who's seen things go really wrong. Uh, Ecclesiastes, this, this middle-aged skeptic who's writing 
uh, these questions, we, we need to understand wisdom in the context of all of those things. And so that's going to apply. We're going to talk about that as we go through Proverbs. We're, we're going to talk about that context, that uh, reality. But God does give us this wisdom because what he's saying is, I'm the creator, you're the creature, and there is an order to the way things work in this world. We, we know that in the case of the physical world, right? We know how gravity works. If you throw something up in the air, it's going to fall to the ground. That's gravity. Um, I studied in school. Um, there, there are all kinds of things that science gives us insight into, right? That we can understand about the world. But what scripture tells us again and again, and what I think oftentimes our experience gives us again and again, is that there is a moral order to the world. There's a created order to all of life, not just the, the physical world. And that as the creator, God is revealing that to us. He's not dividing between the sacred and the secular. The fact that he's addressing work and relationships and money and all of these things in our life is saying that as the creator, he cares about it all, that it all matters to him and that it all actually happens and is to be lived out in relationship to him. And what I believe we will see is in good and beautiful ways as the creator who loves us. Not the distant God who merely judges, but the God who created us and wants relationship with us. That Yahweh, I will be your God and you will be my people. So understanding that context is helpful. We'll, we'll get more into like what's happening in the different parts of Proverbs with really the first nine chapters being an introduction to the idea of wisdom and these seven verses being the introduction to the whole book. Uh, it will be ta- we'll talk about some more of that. But here, here's, the, here's what we need to do uh, if we're followers of Jesus. And I invite you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if all this seems weird, is jump in with us and do a little bit of work to understand the context. You know, take some time to read Proverbs yourself. To, to understand more of what's going on in the other books. Read Job and Ecclesiastes along uh, with us uh, as we go through Proverbs. There are a number of different ways that we can take time to understand the context. It does take uh, a little bit of work, uh, a little bit of time to, uh, to learn more about what the Lord would have for us and how this world works. So the, the second thing that we're going to see is that there's some definition of this idea of wisdom. So we've talked about the wisdom books and its context, but how do we even understand it? There's some level in which it, it is, uh, we, we don't want to be too simplistic about it. There's some things that are, are complicated. I mean, there, there's interchange even in these verses here between the word wisdom, instruction, understanding, knowledge, learning, discernment, all of those things playing into this idea of wisdom so I think the farther we go, we'll, we'll see that it's not always simple. Um, but, but what we find is uh, that we do get some idea of what wisdom is. One, we're going to see two aspects of wisdom here in these verses. The first is that it is intellectual. There's some level of just knowledge, right? So we find in verse 5, there's a call to increase in learning. In verse 6, there's the need to understand a proverb. There's, there is uh, some level of head knowledge of knowing the way things work. We, we need that in our head, but we, de- we do need more than that, right? We need to know how it actually applies, and that often takes more time, more experience. Think about the first time 
I was in high school. Uh, I had a coach, a football coach. I was probably 15 or 16, and he decided, I was very excited, that he was going to teach me to ride a motorcycle. And he told me all the things that you need to know, the basics, right? So you've got a foot brake on one side. You've got uh, the gears with your foot on the other side. Uh, on your right hand, you have both a handbrake and the gas. And on the left side, you have the clutch. And, um, and you know, you release the clutch, you put it in gear, all, all these things. Not, not in that order. Uh, but telling me all the things that you do, right? And I'm like, got it. And uh, I'm not big enough for the bike that he puts me on. And I live on a cul-de-sac. And so he says, take off. I go out the drive. And I turn onto the cul-de-sac, I get down to the end, and I have to make a U-turn. And the hardest thing to do on a bike is to make uh, turns going slowly. And so he, he has told me, if you ever, like, if you worry about what's going on, you pull in the clutch, and you put on the brake, and you come to a stop, and you, and you reassess, right? I'm like, got it. Uh, this is not going well. Pull in the clutch, put on the brake. But as I put on the brake, in this hand is also the gas. So brake... I give it gas, the clutch is in, meaning it's not gonna go forward, it's not engaged in gear, and it revs. I mean, it goes, and I freak out, and I let out on the clutch, and I fly forward, up the curb, into a friend's front yard, and I lay the bike down, I break his side mirror. Uh, it was not a great start, right? I, I needed more than just that head knowledge. It took me a long time, he took me somewhere else with more space. Uh, where I didn't have to turn as quickly to actually teach me to ride. That was not a good place to learn, right? And, and over time, I figured out how it works. I actually know how to ride a bike without uh, popping it up a curb and laying it down, right? Th this is like, we, we could apply this to any number of things, probably anybody's job, anything uh, that you might learn about relationships. I mean, it's true of driving as I'm uh, working on getting hours with my last driver in the family, you know, passed the written test already, but now it's like you got to get that experience, right? Th this applies to so many areas in life. So it's not just head knowledge. It's not just knowing something. Wisdom is calling us to understand how to apply it. And, and one of the definitions that I've seen in multiple places of wisdom is having the skill, the skill to live out the art of godly living, being skilled in the art of godly living. That it, it's an art sometimes to apply wisdom in, in this world. But we're called to apply. Look at verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing. Wise dealing is relationship. It's application. Uh, it's practical. We see uh, that, uh, that it's practical in discretion in verse 4 and guidance in verse 6. These are things that actually play out in our lives, in the way that we live. So it's not just head knowledge. And oftentimes, our temptation is to, to boil it down. I mean, we're, we're Presbyterian. And so one of our tendencies is just to make it about uh, head knowledge. It's about theology and those guys. I hope that's not your experience, right? I hope that we are regularly talking about, okay, what difference does this make in our lives? How does it apply? And, and that part of that application, and maybe actually the central part of that application, is it has moral implications. Verse 3, the second part of verse 3, is that that wise dealing comes in righteousness, justice, and equity. There's this moral component to wisdom. And, and if we actually broke out the poetry of verses 2 to 6, we have what is called a, a chiasm here. 
that the beginning, the first and the last lines kind of parallel each other, and that the next line and the second to last line parallel each other. And then if you work that down, in the middle is here this moral component, righteousness, justice, and equity. That this is this central part of wisdom, knowing how to apply morality in our lives, in the world, in our dealings with others. In our dealings with others, that, that there's this incredible relational connection and context of wisdom. It's all about being in relationship and wisdom with one another. So I remember in seminary learning that wisdom, some defined it as being skilled in the art of godly living. One of the things that we're going to do with our series is we're going to talk about, yes, that's true, but we're going to fine-tune it a little bit to it's being skilled in the art of godly relationship. Because really, our lives and all that we do is in relationship with others. We're seeing this morning, it's in relationship first and foremost with Yahweh, with the Lord. And then it's in relationship with others and the way that we care for and serve and love others. And, And it's also in relationship with ourselves, with our own hearts, which sometimes can be the most difficult. We often don't even understand our own hearts and our own selves. Uh, and, and wisdom calls us to, to grow in the skill of art of those godly relationships. But let me encourage you as well that this definition of wisdom, this understanding of wisdom, it's for you. Because it's for everybody. We, we hear wisdom and we think sometimes, you know, the, the wise are the smart folks or the older folks. Maybe, you know, I, I recognize that in, in culture now, maybe... That's not as much uh, of what people think. They think that older folks don't have it figured out and they don't have wisdom. But, but you think wisdom is uh, reserved for particular folks, whatever category you might put that on. But what we find here is that it is for all of us. First of all, even the wise need to increase in understanding, verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. So it's for the wise, but it's also for the simple, for the young. We find in verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. We're all invited into wisdom. We're all invited to grow, to to pursue wisdom, to experience it in in our lives. To be able to understand more of the world and how to walk forward in it. It is also, as a result, something that God has made available to all of us. Available for all of us to grow in that wisdom. We're going to talk about the fact that sometimes that means... That wisdom is knowing how to react and respond when we get it wrong. Because we're going to continually get it wrong. If the wise need to increase in understanding, that means that nobody has it all figured out. That means nobody has all the answers. But that we can move, more for, we can move forward in that direction. And that we can do so with some level of confidence at different times. We don't walk into a situation and have to say, well, I don't have it all figured out, so I don't have any answers. We're actually able to move forward with some level of understanding of the world and how to walk forward in it. The last thing we find in these verses, and really the the key to all of the book of Proverbs, is the foundation of that wisdom. The context of the foundation, which is described here from the creator, who created us as created beings, is the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh. I, I think it's helpful to note that this is, let's not... Uh, think of this as a concept devoid of its context. The, the readers of Proverbs and the readers of Scripture for centuries, in fact, 
would hear this fear of the Lord, and that it's not for them just a combination of the word fear and Lord. It is a concept of being in relationship with, respecting the reality of the way things are, and it actually comes with incredible comfort and love and peace. So the reality, though, is understanding that fear, that fear of the Lord, that relationship is central to understanding all of the wisdom. That it's not just this list of moral codes, do this, don't do this, things will go well, things won't go well. It's actually inviting us into relationship with the Lord, into being with him. That the, the context being relational is the most significant thing that we find here. Imagine uh, you, you hear the words, you know, you're not very good at your job. Uh, and that could come in, in a number of different phrases. The way that you're going to react to that is going is to vary widely depending on who it is. What if you're a referee and it's one of the fans saying it? The response should be a total rejection, a total just ignoring it, right? But if it's your boss or your spouse, that's a different reaction. If it's somebody online just, you know, shooting off uh, blurbs in a comment section, totally different response, right? Your relationship to a person totally defines the way you hear what is said. So correction coming out of a parent's mouth is very different from some random stranger yelling the same thing at your kid, right? Uh, As well it should be. And so we are reminded that these words, this truth, this encouragement, this wisdom comes from a God who loves us and cares for us, who wants that relationship with us. This is central to the whole story of God's redemption, beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. We we find this phrase, fear of the Lord, 14 times in the book of Proverbs. We find it in other places as well. It's in Isaiah and Malachi. It's uh, here in Proverbs. It's in the New Testament in Luke and Acts. And and depending on how you understand when these different stories were written, it means that this this phrase comes 2000 B.C., 1000 B.C., 700 B.C., 500 B.C. B.C., over many, many centuries into the the time of Christ and after him, right? This idea of the fear of the Lord being central to relationship with him. And that within that is the opportunity to enter humbly and submissively to the love of God. Because this fear is actually something that is uh, good for us and peace-giving. Here, Acts 9, 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So the church, the early church here, fear of the Lord. And yet on one side is comfort and the other side is peace. So let's not make the mistake of hearing fear and think, oh, it's, it's just this being terrified of there, there is absolutely a respect of the creator, but there is comfort and peace that is offered in this relationship with Yahweh, relationship with the Lord. That relational connection that he wants for us is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. It doesn't end here in the book of Proverbs. We have more of the revelation. We have this Yahweh enter into the mess because here's what happened. This was the pinnacle of, of uh, the nation of Israel and what they were experiencing in, in every way possible. And it just went downhill from there. Wisdom was not applied. And uh, the people of God 
did not enter into that relationship in a, in a helpful or healthy way. They did not pursue wisdom. And so Yahweh entered into that mess, that lack of wisdom himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to, to, to fix what was broken about the lack of wisdom, to fix what was broken about the turning from him, about rejecting the fear of the Lord. And he offers to us, because of what he came to do, living here, entering into that mess, his death and his resurrection, he offers us the opportunity for wisdom ourselves, but also forgiveness when we get it wrong. And we're going to get it wrong. We're going to make mistakes. We're never going to have it all figured out. And he comes as God's wisdom itself. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, you are in Christ Jesus. He's talking to the church here. He says, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is offering himself as wisdom for us. He's the pinnacle of this context of relationship. He wants that for us. He's inviting us in. And in all of our mess and all of our lack of understanding and all of the anxiety that we experience because we, we want more wisdom, we want more understanding, he's inviting us to experience peace and comfort in relationship with him, to grow in the wisdom that he is offering. He invites you and he invites me, and my prayer is that that's exactly what we would experience. Let's pray. Lord, we do, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the offer of wisdom. And we pray that we would pursue it and that we would find it because of the work of Christ, knowing that, that we ourselves often miss it. We like it. Too often we even ignore the pursuit of it or the desire for it. We think we have it figured out. So we pray that we would turn to you again and again in the wisdom that you offer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.